Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Newsflash. Christmas is 23 days away. Wow. <laughs> I'm not counting or anything. <laughs> so I've already decorated my office for Christmas. The house, not so much. Mm. Hopefully that'll happen this weekend. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited that we are in December. It does feel a little surreal, though, that we are already, already in, in the December. month of December and Christmas is around the corner. I walk out every day of my house. Not like with no jacket or anything. I'm like, wow, it's cold. And then I have to go back inside and find my. I just. It doesn't even go through my head that we're like already here. here. It's like you it know? was just summer a week ago. Yes. And now, yeah, it's, it's wild. Well, we are so excited for today's show. We're doing it a little bit differently today. We have a couple different special guests joining us to help us break down some of the big issues going on right now. Lauren, go ahead and tell us what we have up on today's show. Up on today's Problematic Women, we break down what you need to know about the Supreme Court's case that could overturn Roe versus Wade. We give you the facts about the new COVID-19 variant and celebrate Americans who are standing up for freedom and fighting against the vaccine mandate. Plus, we ring in December chatting about the blockbuster movies and shows everyone, especially us, is talking about. (laughs) And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for a case that could overturn Roe v. Wade. The abortion case known as Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Center originated in Mississippi. So let's give you all some background on this case. In 2018, Mississippi passed a law restricting abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The state's only abortion clinic filed a lawsuit in response, and now it's up to the nine justices to determine if states have the right to restrict abortion in the way that Mississippi has tried to. And if the answer to that is yes, that will overturn the precedent set by Roe v. Wade and send power back to the states to determine their own abortion laws. Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch is a strong advocate for life and has worked hard on this case. She wrote that, quote, the national fever on abortion can break only when this court returns abortion policy to the states, where agreement is more common, compromise is more possible, and disagreement can be solved at the ballot box. So what's at stake at this case? We wanted an expert to help us break down that question. So we have with us friend of the show, Melanie Israel. Welcome, Melanie. You've had, you've had a long day. <laughs> it has been a long day. I was up bright and early over at the court this morning. And wow, what a day. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being here and joining us. You research and write pretty extensively on the life issue. So if you would just explain to us what is really at stake in this Dobbs case? Right, right. So, you know, one of the things that we talk about is how effective the pro-life movement has been at passing laws at the state level. It's worth pointing out that since 1973, there have been more than 1,000 life-affirming laws enacted, 500 of those here in the past decade. But, and this is where the caveat comes in, 
All of those laws are operating under our current abortion jurisprudence because of Roe, because of Casey, because of uh, this Supreme Court imposed um, abortion policy. States are not able to protect unborn children before viability, before they are able to survive on their own outside the womb. And that is what this Mississippi case is getting to the heart of because, of course, their law protects unborn children at 15 weeks. Um, In 1973, viability was roughly 28 weeks. And, of course, science and technology has advanced so much in the last half century. That line has actually moved about a month and a half earlier. There are babies as young as 21 weeks who have been able to survive. And so that really demonstrates the fundamental unworkability um, of Roe. And that's something that Mississippi has made a very compelling case to the court about. So all morning you were at the Supreme Court. You spoke at the Supreme Court. Can you give us a little update on what the scene looked like? Were there a lot of protesters? Were there a lot of pro-life folks? Yes, yes. So um, I, I hope that a lot of listeners were able to to join in and watch the live stream um, or at least maybe see some news clips of what it was like out there. But if you weren't able to to watch it in real time, um, just imagine a sea of people. That's really what it was. It was thousands of people um, on both sides. But I, you know, I, I heard from a couple of people. It looked like there were more pro-life people, um, which is pretty amazing. But it, it was really just a sea of people. They had a very clear line, um, basically <laughs> down the, the middle of the area in front of the Supreme Court, very clearly marking uh, the pro-abortion side and the pro-life side. And the security team did a really good job of kind of making sure that that line stayed very clear. Um, they, they were very tight on security. There were a lot of elected officials who were there speaking on both sides, um, including Attorney General Lynn Fitch. Uh, She came out and addressed the crowd not once, but twice. She came out before oral arguments and after oral arguments, which is um, kind of unique. You don't normally see that happen. And so it was, um, at least on the pro-life side, a very positive environment, a very energetic environment. They had a children's choir come out and kick things off with singing the national anthem. Um, And it was really just an uplifting time. That's so encouraging. And I know that you also, in the midst of your crazy day and your crazy morning, you were also trying to tune in and watch parts of the oral arguments. Did anything stand out to you? Were there any questions that the justices asked or points that they raised that you thought were really interesting? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that we had seen happen with COVID, of course, is that it changed the way we're able to watch what's going on at the Supreme Court. And so that includes everybody getting to tune in and hear that live audio instead of waiting for a transcript or waiting to hear from one of the handful of people who got to be inside. And so they actually halted some of the speeches for a while at the rally and played the live audio Mm -hmm. from the court where we had an opportunity to hear Mississippi's Solicitor General make his case to the justices. And so we were able to listen in real time, hearing Justice Thomas ask questions, hearing uh, Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor. And it was really amazing to be outside of the court, just a couple hundred feet away from those doors, (laughs) up those giant steps, and knowing that such a monumental case was being argued just on the other side of those doors. Wow. Mm. Well, after watching the arguments today, are you optimistic that the pro-life side can actually win this case? 
You know, it's always hard to try to read the tea leaves of what the court might do. But I think more than anything, listening to the oral arguments, the questions that were being asked and the answers that were being given, um, there's really just a lot of incoherent rhetoric coming from the pro-abortion side. It's very, very hard to defend an indefensible position Mm. because in Roe versus Wade, the court didn't just – misinterpret the Constitution. They ignored it entirely. Mm. And so when you're operating on such a shaky ground, um, it's really difficult to to come out, um, it, personally, in my opinion, <laughs> feeling great about that. And I think that's something that we're seeing from a lot of the pro-abortion commentators, whereas on the pro-life side, we're confident in what the science tells us. We're confident in what we know about how judges should be approaching the Constitution and interpreting that. And so I think there's a lot more confidence on the pro-life side um, compared to the pro-abortion side. So one thing I thought was interesting is for years now, it's been pro-life and then they call themselves pro-choice and we call them pro-abortion and they call us anti-choice. One thing I thought was really interesting this year for the first time ever, I've seen them going out and they're just calling themselves the pro-abortion crowd. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, it was really interesting just to see some of their signs um, Mm -hmm. that people were were holding up. Um, They've really abandoned the mantle of, you know, saying abortion should be safe, legal and rare. I mean, it's all about shout your abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, They even had some people. I, I, I don't know if they were just pretending to take some pills or if they were actually taking pills, but they actually had some activists um, pulling a stunt to take outside the Supreme Court abortion pills. Um, These pills that are available right now um, throughout the first trimester. Um, And so I I think that kind of, um, I guess the way it's been desensitized in a lot of ways, is really amazing to see. And I I can't say that I've been part of the pro-life movement for a particularly long time, <laughs> relatively speaking, compared to some of uh, you know the other giants um, within the pro-life movement. But even just in the last couple of years, there's been a pretty remarkable shift in that kind of shout-your-abortion rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Melanie, I was out there for a little bit as well this morning at the rally. And like you said, I saw some of those signs from the pro-abortionist side, it was a little surprising. Um, Like one read, think abortion is bad. And then on the other side, it says, no, think abortion is rad. There was one that um, I know it's like very, very clear, very direct. One said abortion access is hot with flames on both sides. So no shame at all. They're very clear. They're very direct about what they want. And wow, we are at such a pivotal moment in history right now. Well, Melanie, I'm sure the case comes down in June. Right, right. And the court never really signals precisely when they're going to release (laughs) a decision, (laughs) unfortunately. And of course, once you get towards the end of the term, it's a little bit of process of elimination (laughs) as you get fewer days to work with. But yeah, traditionally, um, you know, a lot of these kind of social issue type cases have come down to the wire um, towards the very end of the court's term in June. Um, But they could release a decision in the spring. Um, or maybe they will wait until the end of the summer. That, that's one of the things about the Supreme Court. You you never know exactly um, when a decision is going to come down unless it's the very last day. <laughs> it has to be today. <laughs> Melanie, thank you. We really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. 
Stay tuned because up next, we discuss what you need to know about the new COVID-19 variant and why organizations like the Heritage Foundation are standing up for freedom by combating the vaccine mandate. But first, I have a very important announcement. The Heritage Foundation is currently accepting applications for the spring 2022 internship program. We have a few intern positions still available across the building for qualified candidates. If you're passionate about conservative ideas and you're looking for a great real-world work experience this spring, then please consider applying for the Heritage Spring Young Leaders Program. In addition to gaining work experience in the nation's capital, interns receive policy briefings, they take part in first principle lectures, and have the opportunity to build lasting relationships with their fellow interns. The program begins January 10th and ends April 22nd. So it's a 15-week program in total. And if you want to learn more or apply, you can just search for the Heritage Young Leaders Program, or you can DM the Parliament Equipment Instagram account, and I will send you the link for the application. By now, you all have heard that there is a new COVID-19 variant called Omicron. We know uh, that this virus was first discovered in South Africa and that cases have also been discovered in Europe, Canada, Japan, Brazil, a few other places. And because South Africa was so quick to report, hey, we have this new variant, we still don't know uh, much about the variant. We're still discovering. We're still learning a lot about it. But right now, we can assume that probably the vaccine uh, is effective against it. Some very, very early reports are showing that. We're still learning, though. We're still figuring that out fully. Uh, But here is what we do know. Viruses mutate. So honestly, this isn't super surprising, though obviously it is unfortunate. President Biden says that he does not have plans to implement more lockdowns. And we, as the American people, need to hold him to that. We also need to keep reminding the Biden administration that it has limited power and implementing a vaccine mandate is totalitarian. And just this week, the Heritage Foundation filed a lawsuit against the vaccine mandate. Heritage Foundation's new president, Dr. Kevin Roberts, says, quote, the Heritage Foundation has not historically filed lawsuits. That we're doing so now should make it clear to any observer that we view this mandate as a deadly serious threat to our individual liberty and the values that make America great. I think it's so encouraging to see that we are standing up and actually taking action to say, nope, we're drawing the line here. And it's true. The Heritage Foundation does not. This is something we do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We, we are a academic institution and, you know, the legal stuff typically does does not fall on us, but it is that serious that Heritage thought it needed to make a stand. Yeah, no, I love the fact that we are doing the ranks of other organizations like the Daily Wire um, and so many other folks across the conservative movement, the Job Creators Network, and we're taking a stand and we're saying, okay, yes, for for folks that want to get the vaccine, please get it. But individuals have a right to choose. And if they don't want it, they should not be forced. Their freedom should not be violated. Well, just on Tuesday, a federal judge granted a request to stop the Biden administration's COVID-19 mandate for health care workers. This means that American health care workers who do know a thing or two about how to protect their own health once again have the freedom to decide for themselves if they want the vaccine or not. 
And in November, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals also issued a stay on a part of the mandate that requires all employers with 100 or more employees to ensure that all their workers are vaccinated or tested weekly. So we're really seeing there is this just massive pushback on on this vaccine mandate with individuals, with courts, with states, with organizations saying, wait a second, this does not seem constitutional. I feel pretty confident that freedom is going to win out here. We'll continue to keep you all posted. Um, But it is really encouraging to see that Americans are standing up for our freedoms and liberties. All right. Well, stay tuned because up next, a little bit more of a lighthearted conversation about uh, some of our favorite movies and TV shows. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, the Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast available every weekday morning. So as easy as we make this podcast seem, there's actually a lot of work that goes into it. And behind that work is the amazing Paloma, who comes to us at the Heritage Foundation this semester. And we are so sad because it is her final week. So we wanted to invite her on the show. Welcome, Paloma. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Well, we really could not make Problematic Women happen every week without you, Paloma. You have spent so many hours editing. I mean, Lauren and I don't ever make mistakes. (laughs) Never. So, I mean, there's not like a lot of work to do, but, you know, (laughs) somehow there's a lot of work to do. (laughs) So thank you. It has been such an honor to have you here at Heritage over the past three, almost over three months, just over three months as an intern. um, And just such a joy to work with you. Oh, it's been such a joy and such a pleasure and a blessing in my life to work with both of you (laughs) and to be able to just sit in on all of your fun conversations that you've had. So thanks for letting me be a part of it today. She knows the real dirt on it. So if you ever see Paloma, make sure you ask her. (laughs) What are they really like? (laughs) Virginia's a total diva. Uh (laughs) Well, you know, I love this time of year for so, so many reasons. We have just entered the month of December. Um, But honestly, I think that there's no better time of year than... Christmas time. And one of the super fun things about the holiday season is you're so often finding yourself with groups of family, groups of friends. And often, you know, you eat all of this like really carby food and then everyone is just tired. And you're like, we should watch a movie. We should watch a show. Uh, And that can be so, so fun just to sit down with family and all, you know, laugh over a great show or go see a blockbuster movie. So what are the movies and or shows that you all are either super excited to see this December or that you're currently watching and that you would recommend Mm. to folks as they are home with family? Hey, you should check this out. Well, one of the movies that I've seen advertisements for is the Gucci movie. I think it has like (laughs) Lady Gaga in it. Um, And it's got like a really all-star cast. I think like Al Pacino's in it. Um, And I'm kind of interested to see that. I mean, it's I know it's not Christmas themed, um, but I've seen the uh, trailers for that and it just looks really good. Wait, is it Gucci like the brand or is it Gucci like the slang for like it's all good? (laughs) Like that's Gucci. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's Gucci like the brand. It's kind of like a dramatized story. 
um, about it. So I'm interested hmm. to see that movie. That would actually yeah. probably be really interesting. Yeah, the world of high fashion, I, I know little about, but it does fascinate me. <laughs> so this is for all my older millennials. I have been rewatching One Tree Hill, and it has been an amazing experience. Oldie but a goodie. Yes. I mean, you got Nathan Scott, you got Lucas Scott, you got all the, you know. All the it's, Scots. It, it's just... It takes you back to like being young and the drama and the high school drama, and you realize how kind of different things are twenty years later. Of because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it's not like super problematic, but there's some stuff where you're like, that would never be able to be aired today, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I've really been enjoying that. And then the other TV shows. I'm sorry, no Christmas stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch like a Lifetime movie if it's on, but I'm not like one of those surprise, surprise. I'm not one of those girls who's like, oh my god, yes. I'm going to get my my, cu- my cup of tea and sit on the couch and watch all no. Yeah, that's like my Friday oh, night. I, so. <laughs> I literally, last night, Virginia was working late, and she had a log fire up, like, just on her computer as she was working. <laughs> I love that. It really made me feel so much more relaxed. I was like, man, I have to work late, but I'm going to put a fire on my monitor. I was like, this is great, actually. I, I, I can work all night. I guess the only Christmas special I do like, because have you ever seen the puppies destroying Christmas one? No, <laughs> it's It's on Hulu, and it literally is just, and I make my mom watch it, she gets so stressed out. It, it's just a room with, like, cookies and a fire, and then they put puppies in it, and they just eat everything. That's amazing. <laughs> and they just literally destroy this room, and you sl- it's probably, like, 40 minutes long, and they just, like, slowly tear stuff off the wall, eat oh everything that's sitting out. But <sighs> the new show that I've been, like, obsessed with, I watched two seasons in like one week is the morning show with Jennifer Mm, Aniston. mm -hmm. It is just, I mean, it's not like the most conservative show ever and we'll take the political side out of it, but it's just so riveting. And Mm -hmm. I do like how the characters really, I I feel like they have more natural relationships because they're both like enemies and friends at the same time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just been so fascinating. I watched season one of that show. I need to watch season two, but I was incredibly impressed with their Mm -hmm. script writing and I, I will say, while, you know, obviously the show, at least with season one, like you, you can tell they're coming at it from a somewhat liberal perspective. But I, I thought they could have gone way further oh, yeah, to the yeah. left than they than they did. So I was like, this this is actually nice to see that they're they're fairly balanced um, and they give you this wild perspective into the world of TV news and culture and what that looks like. It stresses me out watching it, but it's fascinating. <laughs> it is very good. I did watch the first season as well, and I thought Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston was kind of an interesting combo, but um, I, it was very good. I still have yet to watch the second season, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah, there's like a lot of twists. The first season was better. The second season had a lot of twists and turns that I didn't see coming because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's COVID. And normally with COVID shows, I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like, come on, like we have to live with COVID. But it's more of a slow build to COVID. Like, Hmm. they just mentioned, like, oh, there's a case in China. Oh, you know. Surprise. Yeah. Oh, now there's one in Washington. So you know as a viewer what's coming of, like, wow, there's going to be a pandemic and everything's going to shut down. But it's it's kind of funny to watch, like, oh, we don't have to worry about that. Like, that's – it's just, you know, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And you're like, no, something's going to (laughs) happen. So – 
It's interesting that they put that in the TV show because at the start of the pandemic, I was actually working in a newsroom and I remember we were reporting on it Mm -hmm. and I remember no one really took it that seriously when we were first reporting on it. We were just saying, okay, this is international news. This is happening over there. So that's really interesting that they're putting it in the show from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So neat. All right. Well, we can't talk about movies and TV without bringing up Marvel because (laughs) – Every Christmas, they they always have some big blockbuster movie that comes out, often a show. So right now on the show side, Hawkeye, there are three episodes out. I've watched the first two. Um, highly recommend. And it's it's decently family friendly. They've done a, a I mean, you know, may, maybe parents watch it a little bit yourself before you introduce the kids. Mm-hmm. But um, it it's just a really fun entertainment I think the the storyline that they're going with, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's unique. And honestly, it's taken me mm. by surprise. And then, of course, also as a Marvel fan, I am looking forward to Spider-Man 3 <laughs> coming out. I thought there already was a Spider-Man 3. Well, so like back in the day, but this is uh, I was in like Tom high Holland. When... I know, I know. They've reinvented Spider-Man so many times. I am such a fan of Tom Holland, though. He really embodies wait, Spider-Man wait, 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 wait. so well. There is Spider-Man 3 part... Like the second version of Spider-Man. It's like, yeah, it's round three, number three. <laughs> Wait, round ra- Because it's a third Spider-Man, like uh-huh. actual character that's played Spider-Man. Um, and that, <laughs> now it's the third. So there's been nine Spider-Man right. movies. It's, gosh, don't quote me, but probably. <laughs> well, no, because, well, how many did, um, uh, what number, the first Spider-Man, what's his name? Um, Tobey Maguire. To- Tobey Maguire. How many did he do? Right. Yeah, Tobey Maguire was first. Then Andrew Garfield. Dashboard Confessional did that soundtrack too. So it was like, (laughs) honestly, I didn't didn't even know there was a second Spider-Man. Oh, dear. Yep, yep. Did you know this, Plama? Uh, Honestly, this is really shameful for me to say. I don't think I've even seen the first (laughs) Spider-Man. Oh, dear. And maybe that's like... A Gen Z thing, I don't know, but I, I'm also really behind on like Marvel movies, honestly. Yay. Yeah, we had to take our horse and buggy to go see it. They like crank the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think more more than previous um, actors that have played Spider-Man, Tom Holland does such a good job of kind of embodying like this mm-hmm. goofy um, kid that's like figuring out what this looks like to be a superhero. Anyway. Super excited for this movie. Comes out December 17th. I'm excited that you're excited. Uh, thank you, Lauren. Thank you for being <laughs> excited for me. <laughs> well, Plama, it has been an honor to have you this semester. Thank you so much for joining us on Problematic Women. Before we let you go, if there's any aspiring interns out there, can you give a little plug for the Heritage Intern Program and why folks should apply? Yeah, absolutely. Something that I have really appreciated about the Heritage Foundation and the internship program, because I didn't really know what I was getting into walking in. I mean, <laughs> in the sense of like you're working at literally one of the most influential think tanks in the world. Uh, but just the mentorship and how much the people in this building actually care and about what you want to do with your career and, and guiding you there. So if that's something that you're looking for in an internship, I would absolutely recommend it. And just the opportunity to live in Washington, D.C., I mean, especially with everything that's going on right now in our country, it's just really incredible to be able to witness it uh, from the front row, essentially. So I would just 100 percent recommend it. If you know anyone who is a college student or a recent grad, I think it's a wonderful program for them to be able to experience. And Pluma is such a hard worker. She was here this morning, 630 in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's Wednesday. The Dobbs oral arguments are happening. Went over to the Supreme Court. It's freezing. 
came back to Heritage, recorded this podcast, and she's now going to leave and go back and such a do more work over at the Supreme Court. So we appreciate you. We're going to miss you. Like thank I you, said, Selma. history front row. <laughs> so you're in. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. Now it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Casey James. Mrs. James served as the president of the Heritage Foundation for almost four years. It was such an honor. We got to sit down with her. The interview was coming out soon, but we were just so excited and we wanted to share it with you. Yeah, we're just so honored by Mrs. James and everything that she has done as our boss, as the president of the Heritage Foundation. And so as as she takes a, a step back from that role, uh, we just love the opportunity to get to honor her uh, and explain some of the ways that she has impacted our lives uh, and been such a role model for us. So we're going to give you a sneak peek of the conversation we just had with her. The full episode will be out on December 14th, but take a listen to uh, one of my favorite bits of wisdom from Mrs. James. As problematic women, <laughs> we juggle so many balls you know, we juggle our careers, we juggle our families, we juggle our community activities and support. Many of us have responsibilities in our churches. Um, and for me, uh, you know, it was important to identify all the things that I juggle in my life. Some of those things are rubber balls, and if I drop them, they bounce. Some are crystal balls. I love this analogy. Crystal balls break, rubber balls bounce. And in life, we have to identify what is a crystal ball and what is a rubber ball. Mm. Such a practical analogy. Mrs. James. I love it. Love so it. much wisdom. <laughs> well, what a show. So much from Paloma to Melanie to Mrs. James. It's a very problematic episode. Very much so. Wow. Yeah, so many problematic women. Well... It was fun, but that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.